Girlfriends, episode number 183, five ways to be more confident. Hello, and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're sharing some ways that you can be more confident. I have some ideas for you. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Glad you're here. Always glad to connect with you here on the Girlfriends Podcast. Thanks for showing up. I'm always glad when we're able to share here on the podcast about things that are near and dear to my heart and things that are near and dear to your heart as well. So this week we're talking about confidence. But before that, I want to check in with you about your summer fitness. I know I'm going to nag you just a little bit. It's been a couple of episodes since we brought this up and I just want to check in with you how you're doing. Do you have a certain fitness program that you're following for the summer? Something new you're trying this summer? Maybe you're working out outdoors. Maybe you're working out indoors because it's dreadfully hot. I just want to give you this little nudge to kind of check in with yourself, even if you're not letting me know, even if you're not giving me the updates, um, how you're doing. Do you have a goal? Do you have something new you're trying? Are you regularly getting the exercise that your body needs? Even if it's not with an official program, I'm not saying you need to be signed up with an official program, have a gym membership, uh, be training for a particular event or anything like that. But just keeping it in mind throughout the summer months, especially this is a season when the ways in which we're able to work out um, can change, can vary. So because of the weather here in New Hampshire, it's actually nice, <laughs> even though it is swelteringly hot sometimes. Um, it's actually nice outdoors for much of the summer and you're able to do more outdoor, outdoor activities, which is a great opportunity. So for me, um, I shared last week that we finally ran our half marathon. So that training is over. And let me tell you, I'm relieved. <laughs> I mean, I still love to run, but even, you know, those first few days after the race, I still had that kind of mindset where throughout my day as I was doing work or whatever, when I'd have a little gap of time, I'd think, okay, can I fit in a run? Like it was a little bit stressful, like always trying to fit in a run, always trying to figure out, especially those longer runs that took a long time. So I'm enjoying the new freedom that comes with not training for a particular race event like that that involves long periods of running. So I'm taking a little break from the running. I'm still planning to run, um, you know, fairly regularly, but never long distances like that, you know, not currently anyway. Um, so I've been returning to my strength training, which I didn't have a lot of time for when I was training for the half marathon. And let me tell you, I love it. If you've never done strength training because you think you're not a muscle bodybuilder type, I really want to encourage you to try it. Get some light weights. Get like two pounds, five pounds, 10 pounds, 15 pounds, you know, in that range, 12 pounds. I don't know. Um, and, you know, there are tons of YouTube videos that you can follow just to begin, just to get the very basics of strength training. And it's so important for women to do strength training. It, it builds not just our muscles, but our bone strength, which is so important. And especially for those of us of a certain age, we begin to worry about these things. So um, do yourself a favor and work on building a little bit of muscle 
in your body, even if it's with very small weights and very small programs. One that I want to recommend, I've recommended this on the show before, is Joe the Body Coach, Joe Wick on YouTube. Just look up the Body Coach on YouTube. He's this British guy. He, he I think he's hilarious because he like complains during the workouts and I don't think he's putting it on. I think he genuinely is complaining and finding the workout difficult. And for some reason, I find that encouraging. Like, you know, sometimes you do these workout videos and the person is like super fit and they don't even seem to be out of breath and you're dying and that's not very helpful. Um, I remember one uh, fitness video series that I used to follow, I ended up stopping just because the people in the video were all like supermodels and the camera would like pan over their perfect bodies. And uh, I don't know, I just found that very discouraging (laughs) to be like sweltering and struggling in my own weak body while that was going on. So um, I think Joe is great because first of all, his workouts are very short. He does like um, the HIT workouts, H-I-I-T, high intensity interval training for the most part. Um, but he does some with dumbbells and I really appreciate those, the ones that you can do with weights. And they're all done inside of like 20 minutes and it's a good way to experiment. So just putting that little idea out there, if you haven't experimented with strength training, if you feel like it's daunting, that's a great place to start. Honestly, I, I really, I can't recommend it enough. I'll put a link in the show notes to Joe, the body coach on YouTube and it's hundred percent free. What, what's not to like about that? Okay. That's my little fitness check-in, but I want to move on to the topic for this week, talking about ways to be more confident. Do you struggle with confidence? I think a lot of us do. I think a lot of us feel like we're the only ones who struggle with confidence, which is so ironic, right? Because we're all struggling with it interiorly. I think sometimes this is a lot like um, the ways in which we might experience social anxiety. Like I'm the only one that this is hard for. I'm the only one struggling with this insecurity, with this lack of confidence. Um, But confidence is a funny thing. Uh, I find that the more you think about it and focus on building it, in yourself, in your kids, in your spouse, the more naturally it it becomes a part of how you interact with our fellow human beings. And it actually brings you a lot more satisfaction in your life. So this is something I think we need to work on, especially with regard to how we're raising our kids. Like, don't you want to raise confident kids, not just to accomplish things socially or inside of the workplace, but even inside of our faith lives? Don't you want to raise confident kids who are ready and willing to share their faith with others? Don't you want to be that kind of person? who's confident in yourself and able to share the faith with other people, be that kind of evangelist that, you know, God made all of us his disciples to go out and spread the good news, spread the gospel message. And we need confidence to do that, you know, and we're going to struggle a little bit along the way. So I want to share some ideas on the topic of confidence today. And I'm sure you'll have some thoughts as well. And maybe you want to share with me a particular struggle you're having with regard to confidence or a particular triumph with with regard to confidence that you have achieved. I'd love to hear from you. Just send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. But for this week, I want to share five ways I thought of, and I've taken a few little notes here, to be more confident. So the first one I want to mention, and this is huge, especially for us women, is be discerning about whose opinions you're going to listen to. This is hard, right? Because we, uh, I think females in particular, are kind of trained to be people pleasers. And so everyone's feedback affects us, whether it's positive or negative, we can be hugely affected by that. Um, whether it's a passing comment or, you know, a a reprimand from a boss or a word of encouragement from our husband or um, that we're really influenced by these things. So 
it's important to be discerning about people whose whose opinions matter, whose opinions you want to take into account. And, um, you know, th- we discussed this a little bit when we talked, there was an episode that I did a little ways back about how to handle criticism. And this is very much along those lines of, does it matter what this person is saying to you? Be discerning about that. Don't just, you know, crush, you know, into this little ball and curl up in the corner of insecurity because this one person made this passing comment on your Facebook page. Like, does that one person on your Facebook page, do you value their opinion? Are you really looking to please that person? Maybe not. Maybe that's not actually a goal of yours. And you haven't paused to consider that. So being discerning about whose opinions matter. For sure, feedback matters. Criticism can be actually a really helpful thing. Um, But do you value this person's opinion? Do they have legitimate authority to share this opinion with you? Is it somebody that you're ever going to please? You know, this is something that's important to keep in mind. There are some people out there that are never going to like me. This was difficult for me to come to terms with. It's difficult for all of us to come to terms with. Um, I remember early on in my writing career, now there's nothing that plays into more of your insecurities and anxieties than actually sharing writing, right? Because people will give you feedback. And um, does it matter though? And you have to be discerning about that. And I remember early on having to come to terms, like back when I was blogging, that I would get negative feedback from people and I would realize, oh, not everybody likes me. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. (laughs) And uh, that's a very humbling thing to realize. But then if you think about it, that's just the world, right? People prefer different personalities. People prefer different kinds of content. People prefer different presentation styles. People prefer different kinds of writing. Um, I remember, you know, getting an irate email from this woman because I hadn't written the book that she wanted me to write. I had written the book that I had written. Well, you know, not a lot I can do about that. Like, go write your own book. Um, and we don't have to be mean about it. But being discerning, like when you feel crushed by something uh, that really kind of threatens your confidence levels, then think, does it really matter, though? Does it matter? Does this person's opinion matter? It can be hard to do. Uh, you know, I mentioned the examples as a writer, because I think that's a common one that we experience. And I have a, a friend who's a writer as well. And she can work herself up into knots and become completely unable to write because of feedback that she's received online, especially in social media. And I've certainly fallen into this trap as well. Like, I can't say this because then those kinds of people are going to say that. I can't say it this way because then those kinds of people are going to say that. And that can be really a trap that you can fall into. And all of a sudden, you're not even able to be yourself anymore. And that doesn't mean that these negative opinions don't matter. They should be taken into account. And if you're being insensitive to people, that's something you need to be aware of. But beyond that, um, you know, be discerning. Some people's opinions matter and some people you are never going to please. And you shouldn't waste time and energy trying to please them or feeling bad that you haven't pleased them. Don't waste your energy on opinions that don't matter. So be discerning about it. And then, you know, don't waste any time on the ones that you decide don't matter. Okay, so that's number one, be discerning about the opinions that matter. Number two, my second way that I want to share to be more confident is to take responsibility for yourself. Be responsible. Don't blame other people. Now, we talked about this with regard to handling failure, right? Um, But 
you know, blaming other people for your circumstances, and some of us fall prey to this, that it becomes a habit, a way of thinking and a way of talking that we use this kind of victim terminology about ourselves. We use um, kind of a passive way of talking about ourselves, like, oh, that happened to me. I, or I got totally screwed over by this, or, uh, you know, I was a victim of this. This person did this to me. These were the circumstances that I found myself in. Um, But talking and thinking like that is not a very powerful way to approach your life. You're not going to feel confident doing that. Um, You know, always talking like you're a victim of other people. Like, say you have a goal in mind, something you want to do, and you're lacking confidence to do it. And the reason if someone asked you, you would say, well, oh, my, you know, I have, I, my family needs me too much. I could never have the time to go and do such and such a thing that, you know, you're blaming your family, right? (laughs) Find a way find a way if it truly is a goal for you and if it truly is a way that God is calling you to share of yourself in the world, to do something in the world, to have the confidence to share your faith with other people, to have the confidence to take on some new project, some new work, have confidence inside of a personal relationship, growing a friendship perhaps, then find a way and be aware of the fact that you may be falling into a very comfortable pattern that ultimately doesn't serve you of negativity, of talking like a victim, of being very passive inside of your life. Take responsibility for yourself. You have the power to change your circumstances. You have the power to control what you're going to do in your life, much more so than many of us realize. Um, But I just want to encourage you to, if you're struggling with confidence, take a moment, just do a little bit of a self-assessment here. Uh, How do you talk about yourself? How do you talk about what your goals are and why you haven't achieved them yet? Think about that. Think about what your goals actually are and what you would say is in the way of them. Are you blaming other people? Are you blaming circumstances? Look inside yourself. Look for ways to achieve those things or at least work toward achieving those things right now, right where you are with the person you are, with the people you have in your life, with the responsibilities you have. Take that responsibility for yourself because you know what? It doesn't feel good to be a victim. It might be comfortable because in some way, emotionally, we feel absolved of responsibility, but it doesn't even do that. It makes you feel terrible. It makes you feel powerless. It makes you feel weak. It makes you feel vulnerable to walk around talking about being a victim all the time. And um, guess what else? It's actually not a very attractive thing. People don't like it. So think about the ways in which you might be tempted sometimes to kind of spiral into that downward negative thinking pattern of passivity of victimhood in your life and take responsibility for yourself and the changes that you can make. All right, number three is related. Another way to be more confident is to refuse to dwell on your past. This is hard, right? Especially if you've had difficulties in your past, especially if you've had failures in your past, especially if you've had trauma, emotional trauma in your past, it can be hard to not stay there, to not ruminate on your past, your past failings, your past weaknesses, your past negative experiences. But the past isn't you. You are not your past. The past exists for you to learn from it and then move forward from there. Because you know what? Excessive dwelling on the past is a sure sign of insecurity because it makes you feel powerless because you're stuck there. You can't change the past and you can relive it over and over and over again. And the outcome is going to be exactly the same, especially if it was a negative thing. Think how 
how draining that is for you personally of individual responsibility and confidence, just reliving it. You can't change it. So that robs you of the power that you have to make change in your life, to do new things, to try new things. So know that. Know that the past has that kind of power over you. It has the potential to have that kind of power over you. And don't allow that to happen. It's fine and it's normal, especially if you've had difficulties in your past to remember them. Um, But don't stay there. Don't dwell there. Don't let that define you. You are not your past. So if you're finding yourself tempted to dwell in the past and get stuck in the past, and if you find yourself when you're thinking about a new goal you have for yourself, whether it's spiritually or emotionally or physically or in a relationship, um, if you find yourself putting obstacles in the way like, well, that happened last time, this always happens, um, you know, this negative thing, and then you find yourself stuck there, look at that as like a trigger to move on from there. Pause when you find yourself in the past. Take note of your surroundings. Take note of what you can learn from this. And then get up and get out of there. Move forward. Allow yourself to move forward. Give yourself permission to move forward from that. To learn from it. See it as a valuable thing because it is. Failure, as we talked about in that podcast about um, how to handle failure, it's an opportunity to learn. So if you've had negative situations, even if you were a victim of a negative situation in your past, find out what you can learn from that and then get up and move on from there. Don't allow yourself to stay there. It's normal to have that temptation and all of a sudden find yourself, oh, I'm thinking about the past again. But train yourself to notice when you do and then train yourself to see that as a trigger to take, take note of your surroundings, assess the situation, what can I learn from this? and then move forward from there. You're not allowed to stay there, okay? So that's number three, do not dwell in your past. Number four, watch your language. Okay, this is huge, and it's related to all of the other ones because your language, the way that you talk to yourself and the way that you talk about yourself reveals your inner thinkings, your inner beliefs, what you truly believe about yourself and your capabilities. So, watch how you're talking about yourself. Watch how you respond. Perhaps if someone gives you a compliment, is your first response to reject it? Well, that's rejecting a gift and that's rude to do, first of all. Second of all, that's very revealing of the fact that you have these negative responses to positive things. That's not going to build confidence. Um, also think about the ways in which you talk about the goals that you have. The, uh, do you hesitate to even share them with other people because you have this inner self-talk going on telling you that you're never going to accomplish them? Listen to the way you talk to yourself, but then listen to the way you talk to others about your goals, about your relationships, about what you want to accomplish in the future, about the work you're doing, about your parenting, about your marriage. Look for the ways in which you might be perhaps painting yourself as a victim, as we already talked about. That's not empowering at all. That actually leaves you feeling very powerless and like you can't control anything. Um, But then also look for ways to use more confident language. Look for ways to more confidently share positive goals. Whether it's just in passing to a friend, um, a goal you, a fitness goal you have, like I want to be able to run a 5k this fall. You could share that with somebody. Do you hesitate to talk like that? Experiment with doing it. Experiment with using different kinds of language like I can, I will, 
rather than some of the more negative ways that we might talk about our past failures or I messed up or I can't or I don't have time or uh, my family won't allow me to or I don't have that kind of skill or I'm too lazy or whatever it is. Listen to your self-talk. Listen to the way you talk to yourself interiorly, but then also listen to the way in which you talk to others about yourself and about your goals. If you're not talking to others about yourself and about your goals in positive ways, experiment with changing that. Just a little bit can feel very good and can be a good reminder of the fact that you're in control of these things. Like, I can do this. And, you know, starting small, um, perhaps with a, a small goal that you have, so perhaps you have a much bigger goal of... Um, in a more general sense, just being more confident socially, perhaps, okay, um, then you could set a smaller goal for yourself of interacting with somebody on a daily basis. One interaction, whether it's somebody at the grocery store that you don't know saying hello or starting a conversation or reaching out to a friend um, with a phone call or a, you know, a neighbor interacting with somebody, finding a small way to kind of work toward that and talking positively to yourself and to others about the ways in which you're you're setting those goals and achieving them. So your language really matters because the ways in which we fall into these habits of interacting with ourselves and with other people about what our goals are or about who we are and what we do and what our capabilities are, those really have the power to define us for the positive or for the negative. So take charge of that. Use that power. Use that power that you have even inside of your own language, inside of your own thought process to become a more confident person and to change it for the positive. And one side note here is that this becomes easier to do when you surround yourself with positive and encouraging people, people who are confident. You know, they say you become the sum of like the five people you hang around with the most. Well, take a look at who those people are. And um, maybe some of them <laughs> you could spend a little less time with if they're not a positive source of confidence for you. Um, and, and look for ways to be around people that you admire their level of confidence. And I promise you, you will be influenced by them because it becomes more natural and it becomes more normal and it becomes uh, a more achievable goal for you to become more confident, to talk more confidently, to talk more positively about yourself or to set, even to just to set goals and talk about them if you're around other people who are doing that. So, you know, take advantage of using a positive peer group for that. All right. The last one that I want to mention for um, a way to be more confident is to not let fear stop you. I think often when we're struggling with confidence or we're feeling insecure, we think people who are confident don't feel afraid. And we admire that and we wonder, how can I get there? Because I'm always afraid, right? Well, I don't think that's true at all. I think confident people feel afraid all the time. They just don't let that stop them. So the goal should be how to get yourself there. Feeling afraid of something, feeling that little niggle of insecurity or anxiety and moving forward anyway. Because I think confident people feel afraid all the time. It's just part of the human experience to have fears, to have insecurities, to have anxieties. But what confident people do is they move forward anyway in the face of that fear. 
They don't let it stop them. So if you're in a a rut of letting fear stop you from being confident in whatever your goals are personally, professionally, spiritually, then let this be a reminder to you that having that fear in the first place is an opportunity an opportunity to experiment with something. You know, don't wait for a perfect circumstance because guess what? It will never come. That's a fact. It will never come. Don't wait for the perfect circumstance to take on some new project like you have all of a sudden you have tons of free time. You're not, it's not going to happen. Don't wait for the perfect opportunity to um, begin a, a new relationship with somebody that you're, you know, interested in having a friendship with, like waiting until you both accidentally meet at the park when you have tons of free time to sit down and chat together. Not going to happen. You know, deal with the circumstances that you have, work with what you have, begin there in the face of the fears, those little things that might be holding you back. Don't wait for perfect circumstances and look at those challenges, those obstacles that you think are getting in your way. Look at those as opportunities to experiment. I think that confident people uh, are have learned that life is a series of experiments. And sometimes those of us who lack confidence have this kind of mentality where we can't move forward with something because if we make a decision about something, it's forever and it's unchangeable. And if it's a failure, that's the end of the world. Well, talk yourself through that. Maybe even allow yourself to imagine the worst case scenario of trying something new that you're afraid to try. And probably the worst case scenario doesn't end with the world comes to an end, right? Something else happens and you deal with it and you move on, you learn something from it. I think that confident people see life as a series of experiments, opportunities and experiments. And, you know, like we talked about in our recent show about uh, making schooling decisions for your kids, sometimes what's paralyzing is we feel like once we make a decision about something big like that, that it's forever, but it's not. You can change your mind about things. You can shift. You can adjust what you're doing based on, you know, how it's going for you or how it feels or how it's affecting the people in your life or the level of success that you're having in it. Once you make a decision, even if it's about something big, it isn't forever. Give yourself the confidence that comes from knowing this can just be an experiment. And if it doesn't work out, it's not going to be the end of the world. And I can regroup, I can learn from this experiment and move on to the next thing, possibly something different that's going to help you to achieve that same goal. You might make a wrong decision. Make your peace with that. I think confident people know that they are going to make wrong decisions. They've made them in the past and they know they're going to make them in the future, but they've made their peace with it. You know, I become more confident when I do make my peace with the fact that this might not be the perfect decision. And I can even remember times in the past where I've made less than perfect decisions, where I've even messed up in a big way, and it's worked out anyway. I've learned from it, started new, maybe went in a different direction with that same project, maybe scrapped the whole project and did something completely different. It's okay. Allow yourself that grace of being able to experiment with new challenges, new opportunities, new ways to learn and to grow. Change your mentality from that paralyzing fear that tends to hold us back because we don't have it all perfectly figured out already to just curiosity and a positive step forward in whatever it is that you're looking to achieve and experiment with it. 
being open to what you might learn from trying something new. So that's number five, don't let fear stop you. Those are my five ways that I want to share today about being more confident. Number one, be discerning about whose opinions matter. Number two, take responsibility for yourself. Number three, do not dwell in your past. Four, watch your language. And number five, don't let fear stop you. You might have a way that I didn't mention here that helps you to be more confident. I would love to hear from you and I would love to share it with listeners on a future episode of Girlfriends. Send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com or even better, record your own awesome voice so I can add it to an upcoming show of Girlfriends. I would love to have voicemail feedback. If you have it, you can record it on your phone and just send it to me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You know I would love to hear from you. You know I would love to have you be a part of a future show. Coming up, we've got a little bit of feedback, but first this break. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it, but what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples, to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an activated disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Now it's the time in the show where I share feedback from you guys. And this week I heard from listener Melanie. Melanie sent me an email saying, Dear Danielle, thank you for your podcast. My sisters and I listen all the time and we are new moms, so it is helpful to us in many ways. We often meet and talk about the topics together after we listen, so thank you. I am writing to you with a problem that might be silly, but is causing me a lot of stress. My two-year-old is giving up his afternoon nap and I am not ready for him to do that. I'm five months pregnant with our next child. And honestly, his nap times are something I look forward to every day when I can just sit by myself and do nothing or get a project done around the house or anything really. Emotionally, I am really struggling with this. And while I know he won't take naps forever, I would like for him to do it just a little bit longer. Thanks for any ideas you can share, Melanie. First of all, Melanie, I love that you and your sisters listen to the podcast and talk about the topics together. That is That brings me such joy to know that um, you're connecting with your sisters in real life um, based on the topics that we're sharing here. That really is a goal of mine, that the conversations we start here, you can bring into your real life. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for sharing it. It's really encouraging to me. Um, second of all, about your little guy giving up the naps, uh, blast from the past when I read your email, because... I struggled with the same thing when I had two that were both taking naps, that my my oldest two. I, I just remember it so vividly. We um, had moved into a new house and my daughter was around your son's age and I had a newborn and they were taking naps at the same time every day. I had the schedule worked out. It took a lot to get there. And I just valued that time so much. Like you're saying, 
not like I was achieving huge things during that time. It really was like emotionally something I felt I needed was that break in my day. I was, you know, I was at home with them full time at that point. And it just was a break that I felt like I needed. And it was really hard. And I wish I could remember exactly how I got through that time. I think I just, you know, (laughs) white knuckled it and eventually adjusted. But I do remember that same feeling. And um, I have an older sister and I was thinking of her with, she had older kids who didn't take naps. And I thought, how did she get there? Like she has kids who are with her all day long and she never gets a break. It felt impossible. So I totally understand where you are. Um, But know this, you're going to get there. You will get there. And you can know it just by looking around you. I don't know if your sisters have older kids, but just the women in your lives, your lives who have older kids. um, And it's not impossible and you do adjust and it's not horrible. uh, But but know that where you are and the struggle that you're feeling is very normal. It's a very normal um, part of letting go, of giving up. That's something that I find that motherhood does so very well. And it's almost like God designed it in this way, right? To be giving of ourselves, you know, starting out with pregnancy, you know, this this child is in your physical space and you're you're giving up many physical comforts and um, making sacrifices for this new little life growing within you. And then, you know, of course, all the demands of a newborn, you're losing sleep and you have no time to even, you know, eat a proper meal or take a shower and you adjust to that, right? And you get to where you are right now, Melanie, which is with the two-year-old and another one on the way, and you feel like you're giving a lot. And then your kid goes and asks for a little bit more. Like, oh, you know that precious time you have in the afternoon? I'm going to take that too. Well, I think it's normal to feel kind of invaded by that and it's normal to struggle. But I, I find that motherhood very much, it has all these different stages to it because we adjust a little bit at a time and it's a beautiful way that we can grow in holiness and self-giving love uh, by cooperating with God's grace through those moments. So um, know that God's grace is there for you to deal with this as you're adjusting to this new stage of motherhood. But also on the practical side, recognize that just because perhaps he's not going to sleep for 90 minutes every afternoon anymore, um, that there are ways that you can still kind of get that mental, emotional break. You might do it by making nap time quiet time. I know some moms who have done this with great success. I've done it, you know, years ago when the kids were little. I'm sure I did it regularly, but I never was perfect at doing this. Having the younger kids nap and then older kids who are not napping anymore. Um, And I might say two years old, he might still nap for a while. You might experiment with that for a little bit. Um, But just assuming that he really is giving up these naps, um, you know, you might experiment with having it be quiet time and him just learning that. It's a part of your daily routine. It's good for him too, to have quiet time. So you could just, you know, rather than calling it nap time, call it quiet time. And you sit with a book and he gets books and, you know, just reinforcing as much as possible that um, this is the time when we're going to sit and just quietly, you know, engage in a quiet sitting down activity where you're not demanding things from mom right now, right? Just kind of training him along those lines. It could even be that he spends his quiet time and two years old might be a little young for this, um, you know, on his own, maybe in his room with the door open or something where he's kind of learning to give you that space. It's normal and it's okay to set up your schedule where you have that kind of space. And, you know, starting young would be a great way to do it, that it would just be a natural part of your family's routine. And then 
here's the good part. The younger kids learn from the older kids. So these kinds of things that you establish now will pay off in the long term because it will become a part of your family's culture, a part of how your family gets through the day, a part of your routine that's good for all of you, not just you. This isn't some selfish thing where you're demanding a break from your kids, but it's good for them too to kind of have that routine and have that downtime that's built in. Also, I'm sure I don't even have to mention Netflix. I don't know if you use it, but I just want to give one little note that if you are starved for that kind of emotional break, it is totally okay for limited amount of times to use screen time. And I know we moms have all different standards with regard to that. And as long as it isn't something that you're abusing all day, every day and that kind of thing, using it as a tool, I I really, I think you need to absolve yourself of the guilt that sometimes comes with that. Um, Using it in limited ways when you really just need that break uh, is totally okay. And it might not be Netflix, but maybe even if you don't want to use screens with a a child that's as young as two, um, maybe it's something like a special toy that he only gets to use during a certain time and he only gets to use it in his room with the door open when he's not bothering mom, you know, that kind of thing. I think establishing those kinds of standards is a great way for you to kind of give yourself that emotional space to adjust to this new season of motherhood, to this new, new way of interacting, new way of getting through your day. And, um, and for him too, it's a great way to kind of adjust to that and kind of transition into an older kid who is going to be awake all through the day, as daunting as that sounds. So thank you for your question, Melanie. I really actually appreciate it because it it helped me to kind of reminisce a little bit about um, when I was a younger mom and those kinds of struggles that are real. So um, I'll be praying for you during this time of transition for you, and I'll be praying for you to have a healthy and successful rest of your pregnancy. God bless you and your growing family. Now, before we have to wrap up today, I just want to share with you some places that I'm going to be in case we can meet in real life. I would love to be able to make that connection with you. So July 30th to August 2nd, I'm going to be at the Catholic Marketing Network, um, the trade show there in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So I'm going to be there for the entire week with Catholic Mom. So we're going to have a booth there. If you're in the area or if you're there for the trade show or for some other reason, uh, I'd love it if you'd stop by the booth for Catholic Mom. I'm going to be there with Lisa Hendy. Would love the opportunity to meet you. I'm also going to be speaking at the Catholic Writers Guild on Tuesday evening of that week. the Catholic Writers Guild is a an organization that is a great resource for those of you who might be interested in writing and growing your work or experimenting or um, speaking of being more confident. Maybe writing is a project that you've had on your mind and your heart that you want to take on. Well, the Catholic Writers Guild is a great way to do that. Um, so they have their annual conference along with the Catholic Marketing Network. So it's in the same hotel, same space. It kind of piggybacks on that event every year. So it's going to be taking place at the same time. And I have the honor of being the keynote speaker at the very beginning of that conference on Tuesday evening. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited actually to talk to my fellow writers about writing. It's something I've never actually given a talk about writing before. So um, I'm, I'm working on my talk and finding it to be a really fruitful experiment for me personally, just reflecting on these things. And um, it's going to be a real joy to connect with my fellow Catholic writers at that conference. So that's July 30th to August 2nd in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 
There's a link in the show notes if you're interested in getting more information about that event. Um, then coming up in November, I'm going to be giving my You Are Enough retreat at Holy Family Catholic Church in Orlando, Florida. So if you're not familiar with my retreats, I have a You Are Enough retreat and You Are Worth It retreat. Those are based on my books of the same titles. Um, you Are Worth It is based on women in the New Testament, and You Are Enough is based on women in the Old Testament. And what we can learn about God's unique love for women based on these stories in scripture, these real women's stories inside of the scripture stories. So, so much we can learn there. And I love being able to give these retreats. They're about a half day, really. I mean, they, they all take place inside of about four or five hours and each venue does it differently. Some have confession or mass or music. That's a part of the event, but I'm totally flexible. And I, I work with the different organizations to set up the retreat. That's the best fit for them, for the women of their community. So that, again, is You Are Enough Retreat is going to be taking place at Holy Family Catholic Church in Orlando, Florida on November 16th. So if you're in that area, you're going to want to come out for that. I would love to be able to meet you there. Um, then I'm giving my You Are Worth It retreat here in New Hampshire at St. Michael Church in Exeter, January 11th of 2020. And then we're into March. I'm going to be in Jasper, Indiana with my You Are Worth It retreat March 7th. And then speaking at the Women's Conference on Saturday, March 28th in Norwich, Connecticut. If you're interested in having me speak at um, your conference, or if you're interested in getting more information about bringing the You Are Enough or You're Worth It retreat, or I also have an Advent retreat that is based on themes inside the joyful mysteries of the rosary. If you're interested in getting more information about my retreats or having me come out to speak, you can get all the information you need at daniellebean.com. Just click on the retreats tab for information about retreats or speaking if you're interested in having me come be a part of your conference. I love the opportunities to get to meet people in real life. It's awesome to connect here on the podcast, and I'm so grateful for the community that we've built here, but I become more aware of just how valuable it is when I meet listeners in person. So I would love the opportunity to meet you and come to your community in person. There's really no replacement for that real life in-person connection that can only happen in that way. And we're coming up on time here, so I'm going to have to wrap up, but first, you know what I want you to do. I want you to share the Girlfriends podcast on social media. If you enjoy what you listen here, share it on your social media. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, or just tell a friend about it. Word of mouth is a hugely helpful way for us to grow our community here at Girlfriends. And mostly, I just want to thank you for being here. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for being a part of the Girlfriends podcast. It's so encouraging to me to know that you are here and that you're listening to what we share here week after week. I love that we're able to connect in this way. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. Mm-hmm.